Good morning, everyone. So glad that we can be here together today. Uh, I'd like to try something new here this morning. Maybe we'll only do it today. I don't know. But it's a, it's a new segment of our service, a little something that I'd like to call Confessions of a Lazy Person. It is the portion of our service where I, a lazy person, uh, tell you a little bit about what it is like to be me. So, left to my own devices, I am a lazy person. I don't like to cook. I don't like to clean. I don't like to do house projects. I don't like to just go for a walk. If it was up to me, my days would look like watching movies, plural. Uh, maybe order some food, because I'm not going to make my own. Uh, if, I'm if I'm feeling especially active, I might go out and go through like a drive-thru or something, <laughs> right? Um, I'd maybe play some video games, read a book, and go to bed. But I am married and have children. So I don't really have a choice but to do house projects, go for walks, help Andrea clean the kitchen, paint the walls, fix the occasional problems. So she makes me a better man, and I readily admit that, uh, that doing these things, watching my diet, staying active, being with people, entertaining, spending time with my kids, these all make me a better person. And I am grateful for that. But again, left to my own devices, I'd probably sit around a whole lot more than is healthy and watch TV. I mean, aside from the whole like health crisis part of things, COVID and the pandemic, the early days of the pandemic weren't actually so bad for me. Right? Activities shut down and people just didn't expect anything from me or anyone else. You know, Andrea was going crazy with the lack of people interaction, but I was cool to just stay at home and do nothing. Nothing. <laughs> this is when I get the amens. Come on. <laughs> See, for me, extending myself, and probably for most of us, extending myself isn't comfortable. Right? It's always better when I do. I, I make memories. I grow to know and love my wife and kids more. I get to know some more friends, all of that. But it's almost always more comfortable and easier to just do nothing. That's one of the reasons why it was so hard for some of us to come back to church after the pandemic, right? Our couches were just a whole lot nicer, right? We didn't have to wake up as early. We could watch the services online and there's no problem. Have you ever, any of you ever felt that, that tension, the, the tension between doing what you know is probably best and good versus what is comfortable and easy? Well, today we're continuing in our series called Metamorphosis, where we look at five journeys of transformation that we undertake as followers of Jesus. And to take us through this series, we've kept a steady eye on Romans 12:2, which says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will." We talked about this verse uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, that when we start uh, following Jesus, we begin to undergo a transformation, a metamorphosis, a, a wholesale, large-scale change in our lives. We've talked about the metamorphosis from a worldly point of view to a spiritual point of view. 
from, uh, we've talked about the metamorphosis from a selfish mindset to a selfless mindset. And today, we're looking at a change from a comfortable orientation to a missional orientation. A comfortable mindset to a missionary mindset. Our passage today is from Colossians 4, uh, starting in verse 2. It's on page 558 of the church Bibles. If you're using those, you can pull it up on your phones or your own Bibles that you brought. Paul is wrapping up his letter to the church in Colossae. And near the end, he gives the church some instruction here about the mindset they are to have in their engagement with the world. So Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 Paul writes this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He was in chains, he was in prison when he was writing this. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So let's uh, define some terms really quickly here. Uh, in verse 5, Paul talks about outsiders. So outsiders are really just those who don't believe in Jesus, those outside of the community of faith. It's not a pejorative term. It's not making a value statement one way or the other about people. It's just differentiating between those who believe in Jesus and those who don't. Uh, then in verse 6, Paul tells us to make sure, make sure our conversations are full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What the heck does that mean? Seasoned with salt. Well, there are a number of theories offered about the meaning of this phrase. Uh, some have said that we must take the two instructions, full of grace and seasoned with salt, together. So an example of this might be when Jesus himself was interacting with uh, a woman caught in the act of adultery. Uh, and he says at the end of this whole story, uh, he says to this woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So you have the grace, neither do I condemn you, and you have the salt, go and sin no more. Others say that this was an expression back then uh, about uh, when a conversation was boring and dull, it was referred to as being unsalted, right? an unsalted conversation. So conversation that was seasoned with salt would be lively, engaging, and winsome, and enjoyable. Uh, others take this phrase to mean that our conversations should always taste good. Right? They should be kind, enjoyable, building others up. Right? I personally don't see why, can't, why it can't be any or all of these possibilities. Um, but I can say that what Paul is not talking about here is, the, is salty language as we think of it today. <laughs> right? Curse words, abrasive stuff, crude humor. He's talking about something very different than our modern understanding of salty language. For our conversations to be full of grace and seasoned with salt really just means that our words should be truthful, right? Never compromising truth, uh, but always gracious, kind, not adversarial, curious, educated, all that kind of thing. Basically, treat others in your speech the ways, in the ways that you would want to be treated 
in speech. Uh, next, I want to look at the nature of Paul's prayer request. So what is Paul praying for? Now remember, he's in chains. He is imprisoned. But his request isn't for freedom. Right? It's not for deliverance from his current like, less than ideal situation. He's praying for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus to those he encounters. But he's in prison. How, how can he have opportunities to share the gospel? He's not going anywhere. Well, we actually know that he took advantage of witnessing to the guards wherever he was, wherever he was being kept at the time. In his letter to the church in Philippi, uh, Paul makes specific mention of how his faith is becoming common knowledge in the whole palace guard, he says, uh, and that there are now believers in Caesar's house. Uh, this, this was happening because of Paul's witness, even in chains. Paul's heart was not for comfort, not for personal deliverance, but for the word of Jesus to spread. His heart had experienced the, actually the metamorphosis that we talked about last week. He had moved from a selfish perspective to a selfless perspective, and it allowed him to prioritize the gospel of Jesus above his own safety and comfort. He had a missionary mindset. So what is a missionary mindset? If we're to be missionaries, we need a mission, right? So what is that mission? Well, we see Jesus give us his mission for us near the end of his life on earth. After his resurrection, he meets with a bunch of his followers and he tells them this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He also sums up our earthly ministry in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. Someone asks Jesus what the greatest commandment in the law is. And Jesus answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, he says. So essentially, our mission is to make more students of Jesus and help them to grow, all while loving them and loving God. That's our mission. So to be a missionary is to be sent out to do just that, make more students of Jesus and to help them grow, all while loving them and loving God. And to be missional is to always have that orientation in now, when we think about being missional or, or, or being a missionary, we often think of being sent out to faraway places that require us to uproot everything in our lives to follow Jesus. But that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. <coughs> Excuse me. Being missional doesn't necessarily mean changing your entire life, necessarily. But it might mean changing your approach to your current life. To have a missionary mindset. When a missionary moves to a new place, even a trip to the grocery store, or otherwise getting food, is seen, seen as on mission. 
right? They're on the lookout for people in the aisles to help uh, or to even ask for help from. They're looking for ways to have interactions with people. They're looking for ways to smile at others or encourage. When their kids are involved at school, their chances to interact with others and be on mission in their work, in their play, it all takes on new significance and meaning when you're there on purpose. The question isn't, am I called to be a missionary for us? The question is, where am I called to be a missionary? So look, if you haven't felt a tangible, uh, serious call to foreign missions, which is legitimate, and if you have felt that, please come talk to me. There are lots of opportunities out there. Uh, but if you haven't felt that call, that means that God is calling you to be a missionary here in Pennsylvania. I mean, how would your, your life be, be different if we framed our lives, our jobs, our grocery stores, our post offices, our dance studios, our soccer teams, our baseball teams, our schools, our staff meetings as our mission field? It changes your perspective, right? So this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change your whole life. It just means that your whole life takes on the flavor of mission because you're where you are on purpose. Your radar goes up for various opportunities to love and serve others. It's the difference in mentality uh, from life happening to you versus you happening to life. <laughs> There's an intentionality that comes into play. You are on mission for God. So that's all well and good, Brian, to say that we're here on purpose, we're on mission, it's wonderful. How do we make these kinds of interactions happen? Because currently there aren't a whole lot of those kind of interactions happening in my day to day. Well, it is amazing how many more opportunities come your way when you pray for it. <laughs> and you actually mean it. <laughs> that's, that's important. It's why Paul says to devote yourselves to prayer. Through prayer, God will not only bring more opportunities for you to be, you know, to be bold and on mission, but he will open your eyes to the opportunities that are already there. And then through prayer, God can give you the words and courage to engage when those opportunities arise. Now, when those opportunities arise and you blow it, that's okay. This isn't about guilting yourself when that happens. And notice I say when, not if. Okay, I cannot tell you the countless conversations that I have had where I did not say the right thing. <laughs> I didn't have the answer to a question that somebody asked me. Or I said something completely wrong. Right? You will never be 100% ready for every question that comes your way or for every scenario that you encounter. Don't expect that of yourself. Let go of that. But do learn from those experiences. Grow from those experiences and see how you can make the most of the next opportunity. But... 
if no opportunities are coming to you, maybe that's when you do need to make some changes. No interaction with coworkers? Well, maybe you do something as drastic as change your job, but most likely, you just need to find a way to get a once a week lunch going with a person or a couple of people. Or maybe you go out and once a week you buy coffee for folks and then you go to their desks or offices to deliver them. No real conversations with fellow students? Find ways to talk about what you did in youth group this week. There was just a great breakfast this morning for the high schoolers just down the road on Whitford. I dropped Caden off there and I walked in to the kitchen of this lovely home and chocolate chip pancakes were going. They were just cranking them out. I was like, I want to be here. <laughs> Someone else making my food, lazy guy, making a chocolate chip pancake for me for breakfast. Awesome. Talk about things that you did with youth group this week. Find ways to interact outside of school. Maybe join an after school activity. Not interacting with people who aren't Christians. This is a problem for a lot of pastors. Find ways to engage with the neighbors or, or your other, other community that is in your life. Do you work remotely and buy everything you need online and play video games and watch movies at home and never engage with the outside world because the internet is so full of shine and wonderment? <laughs> Find some ways to engage. Right? I, I get that working remotely is, is difficult. Uh, for this kind of thing. I, I get it. Um, but maybe someone that you work with lives close enough that you could like meet halfway for a lunch or coffee or something. Maybe your coworkers aren't the mission field that God is sending you to at this, in this season, but rather it's the mail delivery person who's really chatty and could use a friend. The idea is just to get your radar up, to live on purpose, to have a missional mindset over a comfortable mindset. And this goes for our Sunday morning gatherings, too. Are we here just to have our own beliefs and thoughts and feelings affirmed so that we can leave all squishy and comfortable inside? Or are we here to encourage one another, bear each other's burdens, and leave equipped for mission in this fallen world? And are, are we here to just have a, a social club on Sundays or something, right? Because I can find other places to do that. Are we here to just learn things that make us feel good? I can find some TED Talks for that. Are we just looking to be affirmed in everything we already think and believe? Well, we can turn to our own echo chamber social media news feeds for that. We are not here to grow in our comfort, Heck, as nice as our chairs are, my couch is comfier. Right? As nice as our sound system is, I've got decent speakers in my, in my house and in my car. Right? As great as our band is, I've got Spotify. As tolerable as our preacher is, I've got YouTube to find more engaging speakers. Right? We're not here for that stuff. We're here to grow in faithfulness together, in Christ-likeness, and then bring that Christ-centered healing and hope to our 
world. And the band plays an intimate part of that. So. <laughs> and look, I get, I get that there will be seasons when we need to receive, right? when we are hurting, when we need others' faith to help us when ours is weak. I get that. If that is you right now, that is okay. Please hear that. That is okay. Surround yourself with the body of Christ here in this church, and we can walk with you as you journey through whatever difficulty it might be. But if you are not in that season right now, get your butt in gear. I say that somewhat jokingly, but what does get your butt in gear look like? Well, look at what Paul is talking about in our passage today. He talks about how we are to live in verse 5 and how we are to speak in verse 6. Note also that uh, he doesn't tell us what to do in our lives. He tells us how to live, to be wise and make the most of every opportunity. He doesn't tell us what to say. He tells us how to say it, to be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Being missional has much less to do with how much you know and what kinds of facts and arguments you can lay out and much more with how you live your life. Take time to learn the things, right? Apologetics, how to read the Bible, how, you know, understanding your faith. Those things are very important. But your witness, being missional, is much more about your posture in this world and how you engage with people. I like Paul's emphasis on how we act and how we speak. Uh, it, it shows that we're to have an active witness, right? one that engages practically with the world. We can sit at home, watch a Sunday service uh, uh, online. What's going on? I coughed and then I'm like, yeah. it's weird. It's what, as I know, it's, it's what happens when you talk down on the worship team. <clears throat> we can sit at home, we can watch a Sunday service online, and maybe even whisper a little prayer from our couch. Right? But then oftentimes, if you're anything like me, where it stops. Because it's hard to do things. Right? Lazy person, right here. Doing is so much harder than wishing. And I say wishing because if we're not engaging with people, that's kind of all we're really doing. Wishing. We're wishing that a friend or family member would come to Jesus. We're wishing that our neighbor would magically ask us to come to church with us on Sunday. We're more wishinal than missional. And listen, being wishinal allows us to stay at home, comfortable, and just pray for something to happen. Now listen, prayer is our number one tool. Don't, don't mishear me. Prayer is our number one tool because with it, we commune with the God who created the world and reigns in justice and holiness and rightness and grace and power. But we are also to work with our God. We're to be watchful and thankful. 
We are to be witnesses for Jesus through our lives and live out the purposes and will of God. We can sometimes pray as a cop-out for actually doing anything. And sometimes, sometimes prayer is about all you can do for some things. And again, it is our primary tool for effecting change in our world and in our hearts. So we better pray. But don't lull yourself into thinking that once you've done that, that's all that's required of you. We must ask ourselves how we can then live our lives in such a way as to make a difference in our towns, in our church, in our families. And remember, the difference might have less to do with what you say, but how you speak and how you live. Um, a couple of mentalities with prayer that we need to watch out for. Uh, one, we leave it as a last resort, and we forget that we're approaching the king of all the universe with ultimate power and wisdom, and we say something like, well, all we can do is pray now. That's probably the biggest thing we can do. Our God is infinitely more powerful and compassionate and able than we are. So we must go to prayer first and throughout. Pray unceasingly, it says elsewhere in Scripture. But a second and opposite problematic mindset we can sometimes have with prayer is that we only pray and then don't act. We use it as a cop-out for action. It allows us to stay where we are, not extend ourselves, not sacrifice anything, and ultimately do nothing. And that's the error we're giving a corrective for today. So who is in your orbit in life that you can start getting intentional with? How can you live for Jesus on purpose with that person? Are you forgetting to go to God with this person? Are you forgetting to pray for them? Or conversely, are you only praying for them? And if so, what can you do to serve them? Get to know them. Introduce yourself, whatever it may be. And this isn't only an instruction for the extroverts in the room. Okay, I'd be willing to bet that even the most introverted among us has friends. So how did those friends come to be? How can you maybe bring one more into your orbit? Or how can you live in such a way as to be missional with one of the friends who is already there? I want us to do um, one quick thing here before we close. If you have it with you, I want you to take out your calendar. Maybe it's on your phone. Uh, it's your, your personal life calendar. Maybe it's uh, use a paper one in your uh, purse or bag or whatever. I want you to take out your calendar here. So if you have it, open it up. If not, just think through this. And I want you to look at your Tuesday this week. Who will you see? What meetings will you have? What meals will you eat and with whom? What does your Tuesday look like as a missionary? 
Nothing's going on Tuesday. Look at your Wednesday. You can get the idea. Another thing, uh, we have these, uh, what we call, we've mentioned them before, we have these car cards. They're at very, on various surfaces out in the lobby, out there at different tables. These car cards, they're not necessarily about getting out and missional with people, but m being on mission starts in our homes. And so if you drive home from church with another being, another person, there are some questions on the back of these things. You just ask one of them. Just ask one. Because once, I mean, if you're anything like our family, as soon as we get home, scattered to the four winds, doing different things. But on your way home, ask a question. Being missional starts with us here, now. So that's another thing you can do. How can you move from wishinal to missional this week? What is one concrete step you can take to deepen a relationship? To start a new one? To take a risk and talk about Jesus or your church? The thing about comfort is that it's really comfortable. But do you know what happens when I spend time on my really comfortable couch for too long, I fall asleep. We don't want to fall asleep. Sometimes, yes, sometimes we need a place to rest when we are tired and wrung out. We as the body of believers can be that for you in those seasons. But we also get to be the ones who can help you get off the couch get moved.